Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, it is time to preview Week Seven. We got a little something we got to do first. We got a special guest with us. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about him? Cam Underwood. What's going on, buddy? <laughs> the man that needs no introduction. Uh, yeah, it's been a while <laughs> since I talked to, on the microphone to you guys, but you know we do have our Twitter group DM going on, which was no fun for me this past weekend. But hey. Welcome back to everybody listening. I'm what, what was the line from the Good Times theme song, Struggling and Surviving? That's me and the Miami Hurricanes, both at the same damn time. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what we need to talk about here, Mike, Cam and, and Mike. Uh, Miami's season not really started off in the way that it seems like you kind of thought it would, Cam. Um you know, to say the very least, um, they find themselves at two and three here through five games. They are zero and two in conference, um, not going great. I I pulled the audio from our preview that we did with you, where I predicted Miami to you know have a record a little bit less maybe than you thought that they would. I want to play that for you, and basically coming off it, I just want to really get your takes on okay what has happened or what has changed since we did that preview that has kind of caused this thing to go careening so far off the rails. So here, take a listen. This is what we talked about in our preview. Um, Record-wise, I think I'm going to go 8-4. and four. Cam, you mentioned that, like, yes, Miami's going to have more talent on the field than just about anybody on this schedule, but that didn't keep them from going 7-5 and five last year. Like, we've said that year and year over end, and it's it, like it, it – whether or not it's true doesn't seem like it, it necessarily impacts – how many games that they win, right? It's, it's not as much a talent thing. It's a consistency and a coaching thing. So you look at me with, the, you know, your eyes get about as big as a, a baseball when I say I think they're going to lose four games, but I, I, I don't think that that's anything near impossible. Vegas puts their win total at eight and a half. I'm going to say eight and four. I think that Virginia does go into Miami and, and beats the Hurricanes there in South Florida. And I think that's the reason that Virginia wins the Coastal Division. Wow. That's, yeah, no, my, the, my face was, I know it was looking crazy. I know that, uh, I was displaying my flabbergastation when you said eight and four, that was not, uh, what I was expecting. Cam wasn't expecting that. No, 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 no definitely not. Uh, we did not talk about this before uh, we recorded either. Yeah. So that happened and, uh, I was wrong. And uh, there's really just no two ways about that. Uh, I've already put out um, on the website, Twitter, state of the, at the State of the U on Twitter, and my personal Twitter, at Underwood Sports, in case you were wondering, that I'm officially wrong for the season prediction that I made of 10-2 and two after five games and six weeks of the season. That's pretty bad. 
And, uh, you know, things are just not, not where they need to be. Um, you know, there, there's guys, and it really comes down to the defense, I think, because the whole paradigm for bringing in Manny Diaz to be the head coach is to have consistency um, and continuity in the level of performance on defense, and then you develop or improve the offense to complement that. While the offense has improved in some areas and in some ways, defense has fallen off of the deep end and is not good. It's just not – it's bad. It's, it, I mean, honestly and truly. And, you know, the, if, if Miami cannot change and uh, improve the defense, and this, this season is going to fall completely uh, apart and off the rails as well. I wrote a piece recently for, uh, you know, the website stateoftheu.com talking about Manny Diaz being able to uh, hopefully, for Miami's sake, fix the defense. And he has said that he's going to have a larger role in the defense, and um, it's not going to be – coaching or like calling the plays because he says schematically we're doing the same things and things of that nature it's a he calls it a culture program but i think it's basically just calling out guys who are doing their own thing uh, and guys who manny diaz has even said were guys who were supposed to be the foundation of the performance excellence of that defense which really comes down to shaq quarterman and michael pinckney at linebacker because you bring those guys back at, at as seniors and you expect them to lead and do their jobs. Both of those guys are fully responsible for all, what, seven touch, touchdowns that the Virginia Tech tight end scored on the same play, basically. You know, um, they, I mean, just out of position and coverage, trying to make plays, hero plays, you know, blitzing when it's not their turn to blitz, you know, ignoring their responsibilities and coverage when, you know, that in hit or that, that completely just devastates the 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 structural integrity of the defense. And then, I don't even know the guy's name, but he wears number 29 and plays tight end. And he scored three touchdowns. And it's because 50 on defense were not doing their job and they're freelancing. They're trying to cover for somebody else or trying to do somebody else's job and not their own. It's bad. And the offense is terrible in third down situations. I still believe we're last in the country at like 23.4% conversions on third downs, which is atrocious. Um, the defense gave up a million uh, third down conversions to Virginia Tech. Uh, you let a guy who is, I mean, he's a raw athlete at quarterback, but you knew that he wasn't going to beat you throwing. You knew he was going to beat you running, but you let him run and then you over pursue time and time again and let him hit a wide open guy on an easy toss because you're ignoring an active receiver on the field. And while I'm referencing this past week's game, things like that, unfortunately have happened far too frequently. Uh, Miami has a, a field goal kicker, a place kicker who has missed um, five field goals. And now an extra point, uh, an extra point that would have given Miami the lead late in the game. And just the air came out of that stadium. It was just deflating to see that uh, he is not performing well. Um, yeah, it's just everywhere that you look, things are going poorly. So what do they call that? Murphy's Law? The Murphy's Canes right now. That's where we are. Cam, let's talk about the quarterback. Um, number one, who's it going to be moving forward? Because we saw Jaron Williams on Saturday, the freshman, who's played pretty well throughout 
you know, most of the year so far, obviously entered the game without throwing an interception or at least without recording one. He tried to throw one several times leading up to the Virginia Tech game and just simply hadn't been picked off yet. He throws three in the first quarter against the Hokies in his first seven or eight passes. He, you know, obviously gets pulled subsequently from the game by Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz puts Nicosi Perry in there. Perry, of course, was a starter throughout most of last year. Perry goes on to throw for over 400 yards and, lead, you know, help lead the Hurricanes back in this football game. You know, Manny Diaz was pretty diplomatic after the game saying, you know, Jaron was his guy. And I get him saying that because he's got a young freshman quarterback that he's played throughout the first month of the season. And, you know, a guy who's played pretty well, but it's hard to deny the fact that Cozy Perry leads you back. And, you know, he's kind of forcing the hand of Manny Diaz a little bit here, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot, obviously, to dig into uh, at the quarterback position. Through the first, uh, you know, four games of the year, I think that Jaron actually did pretty well. Um, you know, completing a high percentage of his passes, not turning the ball over. Uh, although, you know, he tried. Uh, there were several passes in the first four games that were interceptable, uh, but dropped by the opposing defense. Jaron Williams has also fumbled five or six times, but recovered all of them. Um, so there's turnover luck on that part as well. Um you know, and then he comes into uh, the Virginia Tech game and he throws three interceptions in his first seven passes. Um, and fun fact here, Jaron Williams actually completed all of his passes. Just half of them, you know, almost half went to Virginia Tech instead of Miami. So, you know, four completions to Hurricanes and then three to Hokies. That's not good enough. And especially on the first three drives of the game, just giving up short field after short field. And, you know, Miami's down 21 nothing. He gets pulled um Mike Harley fumbles on a swing pass on Nicosi Perry's first play so it's not Perry's fault uh but in the tackling uh mechanic Harley fumbles Virginia Tech scores it's 28 nothing before you can even blink um so yeah that was uh that was bad um I think the offense looks different with the two quarterbacks because they have different skill sets like uh you know we talked about all offseason that all three quarterbacks in the quarterback battle being Tate Martell Tathan uh, is uh, his given name, uh, Nicosi Perry and Jaron Williams all have different skill sets. Um, the offense is more horizontal with Jaron Williams because his arm is like, you know, average at best. So you're going to have a lot more swing passes, tunnel screens, slip screens, uh, RPO slants, uh, maybe some, you know, 10 to 12 yard uh, dig routes, things like that more. Uh, and obviously, like you saw with Nicosi, he can push that ball down the field. So uh, there's that. <clears throat> Nicosi came in and he played a great game. Uh, and it was not perfect. You know, he was 28 out of 47. Um, so 19 incompletions um, there. Uh, you know, he threw a couple balls that could have been intercepted. There was a ball that would have been, you know, uh, that was intercepted, that would have been returned like to the four yard line uh, by Virginia Tech, but that was wiped out by a roughing the passer penalty. So I'm not sitting here and calling Nicosi Perry a perfect player because that's not true. Um, but I think that he does offer some things that I like to see more in uh with the offense overall, uh, Jeff Thomas finally got off of a milk crate, a milk carton of witness protection. He finally had another standout game, six catches for 124 yards and two tutties. Uh, Brevin Jordan, the best tight end in America, had seven catches for 147 and a score. Um, you know, and it just it looked different with Nicosi Perry. That that uh, Hail Mary at on the last play of the first half. I honestly am not sure that if Jaron Williams were in the game at that time, if the ball would have made it to the goal line on the throw, you know, um, just because Nicosi's arm is stronger. And that, that is, that's not debatable at this point. And if anybody wants to say that Jaron and Nicosi have similar arm strength, then I'm not going to listen to you because obviously you don't know what you're talking about by watching football. 
the point of it being um, maybe a conversation about who's going to start a quarterback is twofold to me. Number one, I don't think that Jerry Williams is healthy. I think that, you know, there have been people who talked about he got a separated shoulder at, against Florida. I don't think that was the case necessarily. But he got sacked in that Central Michigan game, and he fell on his right shoulder, and he did that thing where you get up and you run off the field with your arm dangling dead. And every, I tweeted about it at the time. I said, something's wrong there because he couldn't even move his arm. He's not flexing. He's not doing anything. It's, it's literally just hanging there. So I think that there is a persistent shoulder injury that is not being released, the information thereof. Um, and, you know, if you have a guy who has average arm strength to begin with, and now he has a shoulder injury, and, you know, if you're a baseball fan like I am, you know that shoulder injuries are the ones from which you don't recover. Elbow injuries you can come back from. Shoulders and your arm is done. And I think that our quarterback has a shoulder injury. That gives me great pause. So there's that element. Jerry Williams did not practice today, or he did not throw during the media availability. He was working on the side. And throughout the entirety of practice, it was reported that he did not practice. He was off on the side. Nikosi Perry and Tate Martell were the ones taking snaps. That tells me something. And after practice, uh, Miami released and said, okay, he has an upper extremity injury because they like doing that upper extremity, lower extremity BS. And he's day-to-day. The game this week is on Friday. It is Tuesday night as we're recording this coming into Wednesday's practice. That means you got one practice and a walkthrough before a ranked team, the team leading your division comes to your stadium. You got to start Nikosi Perry now. I mean, like, honestly, like you have one practice and a walkthrough. So the, the first thing is Jaron Williams's health, which whether it is, it is not being overtly stated, but my eyes are telling me that his arm is not the same. And, you know, if you look at, the interception in the end zone, that ball hung up there like a hot air balloon. If you look at the third interception up the sideline, he tried to step into that out route, which you've got to have arm strength to make from the left hash to the right sideline. And that ball just, it put put it over there. It didn't get there. So that shows me that even with, and again, like I said before, Jaron Williams can make those throws if everything goes right. But if you start from a foundation of his shoulder being or his arm in some way being compromised, that means that everything's not right. And that means those two throws he's not able to to do to even his standard of athletic proficiency. And that's going to lead to the interceptions that we saw. So I don't think that he's healthy. So that's one. Number two, in terms of what you want from the offense, I think that Nikosi Perry, it just brings a different... He brings a different dynamic. He's able to run more. He has a stronger arm. And again, I've been saying this for years. I've written it for years. Miami should be spreading things out, not tightening things up. Now, can you find space from tight uh, splits and, you know, like if you tighten your splits and you kind of live in a phone box, you can. The Los Angeles Rams, they're a team who's famous for having tight splits with their wide receivers, but finding the space on the field. Miami tightens the formation and then wants to run inside. That's not going to work. So I think if you want to do what uh, Dan Eno said he was going to do, which is have different versions of the offense for every quarterback, you do what we saw in that second half against Virginia Tech. That offense, spreading it out, 
and even you know you uh, you you add in some RPOs with a quarterback keep element because Bud Foster said, oh, we discounted the quarterback in RPO with Jaron Williams in there because we knew he wasn't going to run. Where we heard that before Miami for every year since the beginning of time. You know what I mean? So if you and then in what was that 2003 when Brock Berlin led that comeback against Florida and we won that game with him, you know, who was a proficient shotgun quarterback in high school, and we just said, look. We're down a million. Let's go shotgun, spread it out, throw the ball, see what happens. And we won. We stuck with that. That means, for me, that's proven already that Miami needs to stick with this same kind of a scheme with J- uh, with Nikosi Perry. Why? He's a spread quarterback. He can run, which you saw some on Saturday. Um, he has a strong arm. He gets the ball, and he integrates the skill position players to let them do their thing. Jeff Thomas, like I said, he had not done anything really with Jaron Williams at the helm. Nikosi Perry gets back in, all of a sudden, number four reappears on the field. That means something. And I know that Dan Enos has what he wants to do at on offense. But, bro, use your eyes. Use your brain. This team is already two and three. You're on the precipice of this season falling completely apart. So I say all of that diatribe to say, Number one, I don't think Jaron Williams is healthy. Number two, I think that Nikosi Perry brings a dynamic element of running and vertical arm strength that Jaron Williams does not possess possess athletically. To me, in my eye, and I've already written this and I've said it multiple times, for those reasons, and based upon the performance that we saw, 422 yards and four touchdowns, even though there were some missed throws, there were a couple of throws that were or could have been intercepted, again, not calling them perfect, but I think fitting the paradigm more, Nikosi Perry needs to start. And I think that's pretty clear. I want to jump in here real quick because what a difference a week makes. Miami this week is asking the exact same questions Virginia Tech was asking coming off of a 35-point home loss to Duke. Who's the quarterback going to be? Is it time to make a change? You're already 2-2 two and two with the season slipping away, or at least it felt like it was slipping away. I don't think Virginia Tech's very good, Cam, for the record. I, I don't. I really I don't. don't. Either. I really don't. That doesn't but make Cam feel better, by the way. I, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just just full disclosure. Like, I don't think they, like, saved their season with this Miami win. I think it was a, a big win, but I don't think they, like, saved their season by any means. But it's they're asking the same, the same question heading into the Miami game that Miami's now asking coming out of Virginia Tech. It's the same thing a week later. You know, the the agency coastal is cyclical in that kind of a way, you know, four and four uh, mayhem madness uh, division. But I'll say that. And I said this during the game and, uh, you know, when Miami was down, I think it was 28 nothing at that time in the first half. And a lot of Hokie fans and obviously, you know, Gators and Seminole fans, you know, they obviously they watch our, you know, my tweets and everything during every game. And I said it and I believe it. Al Golden found ways to lose to Virginia when he was the head coach that kept Mike London employed there. They were going to fire him multiple times, and we found a way to save that guy's job. We just did the same favor to an inferior team with Virginia Tech and a substandard coach in Justin Fuente. It is literally the same thing, and we gave the same gift. So, And people were like, oh, you just wanted to say that. Look, yeah. I don't think that Virginia Tech is very good. And obviously, we found a way to snatch defeat from what should be should have been the hands of victory and take all. I remember, look, I listened to the 
the preview podcast last week. I listen to you guys every week. I heard you talking about, I see the tweets, Mike, we go back and forth about this all the time. People were asking, Hey, what are we going to do about Justin Fuente's $15 million buyout and blah, blah, blah. That was a legitimate point of conversation. That's not happening anymore. Nope. Because again, it's the same thing that we gifted to Mike London and Virginia years ago. Crickets this week. What a difference a week makes. <laughs> Imagine that. Can the, the only other thing that I wanted to add, and you, you kind of referenced here, as we talked about the quarterback battle, is that one of the big factors probably needs to be considered is that Nikosi Perry is a lot more mobile than Jaron Williams is. Um, really just from a pure athletic ability. You talk about arm strength, mobility, some of these things. Like, Nikosi Perry's the guy. And to me, one of the things that that has to be a, an important consideration for, especially with the mobility, is mobility becomes a lot more important when you're frequently finding yourself running for your life behind an offensive line that has had such major issues like Miami's has. Um, and in particular, we talked in the preseason that Miami was planning on starting a couple of freshman tackles, and that has been a uh, an exercise in frustration, to say the least, I think. Is 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 there reason for hope there? Is it getting better, or is this just really not cracked up? Is cracked up as we thought it was going to be? No, it's uh, it's been a problem ever since day one. The offensive line, that is, uh, Miami did make an immediate change after the opener. They um, moved redshirt freshman John Campbell out of the starting lineup at right tackle. Moved Delon Scaife out from right guard to right tackle, who's a sophomore, and he had seven starts last year as a true freshman. And then you move in Jakai Clark. Uh, to the starting lineup at right guard. So you're still so now you're starting two true freshmen, one at left tackle, one at uh, right guard. Um, and yeah, I mean the, the offensive line, they just there's a couple of plays a game. Maybe it's a three or four man rush where they'll hold up, you know, they'll do their thing. But anything gets exotic or like an edge rusher really turns up the heat. Man, I mean Zion Nelson, it, it's 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 tough for him. It's bad, you know, like Central Michigan, they had a guy uh, who's a you know senior. So he's just older chronologically and everything. And he just, I mean, abused him. So, no, the offensive line is, uh, it's, it's quite bad. Um, I mean, and it, it plays decently at, in spurts uh, at times, but no, it, it's been pretty poor. Obviously the running game wasn't able to do anything against Virginia Tech because they say we're going to crash to the run. Um, and, you know, if, if Miami wants to play in a 10, 15 yard box from sideline to sideline, we'll walk down and play press man man free, which is, you know, what Bud Foster uh, said after the game, but then Nicole Perry comes in and things change. So yeah, you know, he has the ability to run um, both he and Jaron Williams hold the ball too long um, looking to throw. So maybe I would like him to be more decisive uh, in either area, but yeah, if you add a QB run element with uh, you know, some RPOs or even some design runs, hell look at what Virginia tech did with Malik uh, with hooker or handed hooker last week, you know, things like that but yeah between his personal individual athleticism and arm strength i th and, and especially considering what you're talking about with the offensive line which is pretty bad and as i was uh, just a little earlier i saw a tweet that said hold on it's something about sacks and it's not good in miami's favor yeah virginia is number two in the nation at four Point eight sacks per game. Miami has allowed the most sacks of any FBS team so far with 25. Whew. Bro. Rut row. Rut row. So do I want a guy who's not as athletic back there or a guy who, if stuff breaks down, whoop, I'm going to go, which is what we saw 
in high school and have on film, even from practice as a redshirt freshman. I mean, he, Nagosi Perry, there's a, a, it's only one play, but the, the pocket broke down and he shook a Miami linebacker to his literal knees in practice and skirted up the sideline for like 17 yards. So he has that kind of ability. Yeah, with this offensive line, you need that mobility. So that's another data point to me supporting why Nikosi Perry needs to play and the offense needs to be molded into the scheme that he's proficient at as opposed to trying to take a round peg into a square hole and say, hey, guy who should be in a spread offense, guy who should be throwing the ball down the field, guy who should be running the ball, pulling it on RPO sometimes, how about we go I formation? What sense does that make? You know, play to the strengths of your playmakers. And again, if you're, you know, the strength needs to be getting away from a guy who comes free. Oh, no, I'll say it. In the Virginia Tech game, there was a three-man rush. And Nikosi Perry, there was a guy, it was a three-man rush. The right tackle didn't block his man. Guy came inside free. Perry danced around him, goes to the right, and he threw that dot, that seed, 40 yards down the field to Jeff Thomas. That doesn't happen if that's Jaron Williams. Yes, it's only one play, but that's emblematic of what this offense should do. I mean, obviously, you want to block somebody, but another point for why I believe Nikosi Perry should start. Hey, Joey, if you took the names away from, you know, the players that Cam's describing on Miami, you wouldn't even know he was talking about the Hurricanes. You'd think he was talking about Virginia Tech. Oh, I was going to say it sounds like he's talking about Florida State. Oh, I thought he was talking about Georgia Tech. Ooh, ew, ew. Oh, oh, wait. Run me my fade because we're going to fight. <laughs> I mean, you, you say that. And I knew that that was going to rally, rally you up a little bit. But think about it. If you got one quarterback that you trust them to make their decisions a lot better, and you got another one that's way more athletic, playing behind an offensive line that isn't all that great, but somehow they struggle to get the ball to really good skill talent. Is that Miami or Florida State right now? Because, I mean, it's kind of – Six of one, half dozen of the other. I mean, it's very similar situations in both spots, for better or worse. So, yeah. you know, I, I can't help but see the irony in that, at the very least. Um, Cam, needless to say, this has not gone to plan so far for Miami. Um, plenty of goals at this point might be off the table for the team, but, you know, there's also a lot of football to be played. I mean, there's seven more games here. I mean, you could easily find your way into a 9-3 and three kind of finish. You, you, don't, you don't know. It all starts this week, which we do need to preview. Okay. Um, Cam, do you want to stick around and help preview these games? I mean, I'm already here, so and I'm fired <laughs> up. Let's do it. <laughs> might, as well conti- up. might as well, might as well continue, right? There you <laughs> go. Um, we we are not going to start with the Miami game. We do want to go this in a little bit of chronological order. So, folks that are that are listening here sooner than later, uh, we're going to start on Thursday night. We've got a Thursday game. We got a Friday game. We got four Saturday games this week. We got a preview. Um, first off, Thursday night, both teams coming off a of bye week, 8 o'clock ESPN. The Syracuse Orange are a four-and-a-half-point road underdog in Raleigh against the NC State Wolfpack. Mike, I'm going to start with you. What are either of these teams? Bad. Maybe. I mean, do we even know that? Good. I, we don't know that. Okay. Um, inconsistent. There it is. Yes. Found it. Um, knew it was one of those words. Uh, yeah, both coming off a of bye week. NC State at home, which is is good in theory. Um, the offense the last couple games has 
left something to be desired. That Florida State game in Tallahassee, holy God, that was a struggle. Um, NC State starting Bailey Hawkman at quarterback uh, this weekend, which that's pretty significant. That's a change from Matthew McKay, who I thought had a pretty decent start to the year and then obviously struggled the last couple of weeks. They moved to Bailey Hawkman and hopes of sparking that offense, which really in its entirety has not really been all that good. Uh, Syracuse, I think the expectation coming into the year was that was that uh, Tommy DeVito was going to come in and like the world on fire. I mean, to his credit, he's been relatively efficient throwing the football, but he has been turning it over more than a lot of people expected him to. He's got five interceptions already on the year uh, entering play this weekend. Uh, Syracuse's defense also like we were. We were led down the path that, you know, they were going to have this defense. It was going to be improved and they got veterans and there's reason to believe that they're going to have some playmakers that are going to be able to produce. At least that's what we were sold from Nate Mink of Syracuse.com when he came on the podcast to preview the orange heading into the year. And he's a guy who's around the around the team a good bit, obviously, as a beat writer and Surprise, surprise, this Syracuse defense actually has not been very good. It's actually been worse than it has been in the past, and you're getting the inconsistency on offense right now. I'm taking NC State at home. Um, Bailey Hawkman's got some experience, obviously transferring in from Florida State. Uh, you know, he's a guy who I think can make enough plays and more importantly take care of the football, which is something Matthew McKay was not doing. Uh, I think if he does that, that should be enough because look, Syracuse will throw you the football. Like Tommy DeVito is getting pretty good at throwing it to the defense, which if you got your own defense, it's struggling. You're turning the ball over. I mean, ask Virginia Tech how that looks. It's been really hard for them most of the year in that regard. So I'm going to take NC State at home. I think they win. I'm going to say that they cover. So um, I guess it stays within a touchdown, but only barely. I, I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I'm going to take NC State at home. Cam, you got any thoughts here? Um, Mike said a lot of what I was going to say, honestly. You know, it's just uh, Syracuse had high hopes in everything after, you know, a couple of years of ascending uh, trajectory for the program. But obviously that, uh, you know, turning the ball over on offense is a terrible thing. You know, obviously I watched Miami do that ad nauseum last week. Um, and the defense is just not – where it needs to be either. Um, I think that both teams are kind of doing a little bit of soul searching and everything, but yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tight game. I think uh, Bailey Hockman, he does have uh, a strong arm. Uh, he, you know, if you want to run the ball like uh, North Carolina state wants to, I think they'll be able to do that. I think that they will be able to find a couple plays uh, in the, uh, in the passing game as well. So give me NC state to win and cover. I, I tend to, like I, I see the thought here, especially being at home and, and NC State, probably a more talented team at this point than Syracuse is. And Syracuse has been, by a lot of metrics, a pretty big disappointment coming into the year. Um, I, the only thing that I, I am kind of sticking with, I, I kind of want to go with Syracuse here. Um, and the reason I say that is that as much as, you know, these teams have been varying levels of mediocre and disappointing, like, on some of at least it feels like Syracuse is getting a little bit better and, and, you know, NC state is kind of trending downwards, so to speak, you know, NC state the first couple of weeks of the year, we thought looked really good. You know, they blew out Eastern Carolina, blew out Western Carolina. I mean, they looked like they were real sharp and had everything together. 
felt real good about them going to Morgantown, and then they turn around and lose to what looks like a pretty bad West Virginia team. Then they disappoint against Ball State, and then they just kind of get worked by a Florida State team that looked pretty ripe for the picking. Meanwhile, Syracuse, you know, they start out with a ho-hum win over Liberty. Then they get the doors blown off by Maryland. They get beat up pretty good by Clemson. And then they at least turned around and won by 19 against Western Michigan and, and handled their business against Holy Cross. So from that regard, at least, it seems like Syracuse is a team on the rise to some degree. Whereas it feels like NC State, you know, the, the wild card here, of course, being changing quarterback for NC State, the offense has been an issue for them the last several games. And going to Bailey Hockman might fix that, maybe. Um, I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Syracuse here, maybe a little contrarian, maybe a little uh, little unusual, but I'm going to take the orange for four and a half. I don't know if they win outright or not. I'm, I'm not feeling that ballsy necessarily, but four and a half isn't a whole lot more than, uh, than none, so... If Syracuse covers, they, they might just win the game outright, so might be worth a little bit on the money line. Uh, total 55.5, do anything for either of you guys? Uh, over, probably. Uh, Syracuse's offense, like, they can score enough. I think NC State should be able to score enough. Syracuse's defense is just so bad, and I'm not sure how good NC State's is, so I, I guess I would lean over, but I'm probably not touching that. Yeah, I'm staying far, far away from that one. Probably, uh, probably the right move. All right, let's move on. Friday night, 8 o'clock, ESPN, Cam. This is your uh, your game of the week uh, as Mike's number 20 Virginia Cavaliers are a one-and-a-half-point underdog in South Florida, taking on the Canes at Hard Rock Stadium. Uh, Cam, you heard me talk about on the preview that I, I thought a while ago that Virginia was probably going to win this game. It's a little bit odd to me that they're now an underdog, even as a ranked team in all this. But then again, you know, ranked versus unranked and – you know, ranked on the road and all that. I mean, it's seems like a dangerous setup for Virginia. Are you how confident are you feeling in Miami's chances to win this game at all? Not very. Um, if you start from the you know assumption that even teams on a neutral or if the teams are even, the home team would get a three point uh, you know favorite at home. So at one and a half, you're saying that on a neutral field, Virginia Tech or Virginia, excuse me, is one and a half points better than Miami to begin with. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, yeah, Miami is quote unquote favored, but it's not a substantial number at all. And, you know, I think that this game, honestly, this is the crossroads game of the year. This is, you know, Miami finds a way to win and turn things around and have hopes of, you know, an eight, nine win season. And, you know, maybe if Virginia stumbles another couple of times uh, to win the division or the wheels come off. So uh, to answer your question, how confident do I feel about Miami coming into this game? Not at all. It's been bad. Ah, man, this is, uh, this is a weird one for me. (laughs) This is a weird one for me on a, a number of levels. I uh, I think Virginia is good. I also think Virginia is inherently flawed on a number of levels and have yet to face a team in the ACC to expose them, right? Miami is the first team on the schedule for Virginia outside of Notre Dame that has the talent at skill, major skill positions uh, to swing a game in a manner that would impact Virginia's ability to win. Like we've seen Virginia play Florida State. Florida State had plenty of athletes. Virginia was at home. 
Miami has more athletes than Florida State, in my opinion. Miami's got um, more consistent play on both sides of the football, in my opinion. I think Florida State's starting to figure it out, sort of, but I don't buy them yet. Um, I think Miami's got more talent, more depth than Virginia does. It's the first time Virginia has seen that in conference play. You know, if you go back to the last game Virginia played out in South Bend, Virginia hung with Notre Dame for the entirety of the first half, had the lead going into halftime, obviously, and then was completely and totally, totally overwhelmed in the second half, right? Notre Dame started grinding him down in the third quarter. And by the fourth quarter, this was turning into a runaway for Notre Dame. I don't think that Miami is good enough to run away with this game, but I do think Miami is good enough at multiple positions on the field that if they get consistent enough play at the quarterback position in particular, I think they have an excellent chance to win this football game. Again, they're at home. I do think Virginia is the better team. I think they're better coached at this point in time, but I think Miami's got more depth and more talent. I think the Hurricanes win at home. And the only reason I'm saying this is because Miami's favored for a reason. I get everything you said, Cam, about the line. Totally get that. Totally understand. You know, Virginia being um, being an underdog at Miami, you know, neutral field, it'd probably be a, you know, Virginia would be about two-point favorite, more or less. Um, I get all of that. I'm taking the Hurricanes because I don't think there's any reason why they should be favored like this. And they are for a reason. It's a weird line. I think the Canes bounce back. I'm taking the Hurricanes. I'm just steering into it, Mike. Look, I yeah, you know, I, I hear what you're saying. I accept all of that also. And I realized, you know, when Mike started talking that I did not give a pick <laughs> for this game, which, you know, hey, uh, should probably do. Um, probably not going to ingratiate myself to uh, my fan and alumni base. I don't like you anyway, Cam. It's okay. I know they don't. <laughs> um, but, hey, you know, this is another reason to hate me. Um, I'm picking Virginia. Um, you know, and if Virginia's going to cut, co- I mean, if they cover one and a half, that means that they're going to win outright. And yeah, you know, I think that, uh, the coaching issues, uh, are going to continue to, to propagate themselves. Uh, I agree with Mike in that Miami has more talent, top end talent, uh, and athleticism than does Virginia. Miami does not at all in any way have more depth. That's just not where where it is. Uh, it is at the top line only. You know, you look at Jeff Thomas, KJ Osborne, maybe Mike Harley uh, or Brian Hightower, Brevin Jordan, uh, DJ Dallas, and Cam Harris. That's it. You know, the right, the, the cream of the crop, the top of the roster. Yes, but once you start to go down a little bit, hey, like we're talking about on offensive line, things like that. I just don't see it. And I know that this is a place where you know I said on Mark Rogers last week that Virginia Tech was a cornered animal. They were a dangerous raccoon, you know, who if you mess with them, they're going to rip your face off. Miami's in that same spot. But honestly, I don't think that they got that fight in them. I don't think they got that dog in them. And I think they're going to take that L. (laughs) Mike's over here doing, I don't know, what is that? The dirty unicorn or something like that? You get the finger poking out of your forehead. (laughs) I didn't know how else to illustrate a raccoon. So that's what we're at. (laughs) How many raccoons you know you got a horn, Mike? Uh, about zero, but I mean, do your best raccoon impression. Okay. Uh, anyways, um, I, so I, I'm going to say this. I, I'm going to stick with Virginia winning this game. I don't feel great about it. This is a little bit of more of like a stick to my guns kind of situation of, I said it, you know, two months ago, I'm going to stick with it now. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what you guys have said, right? Like 
Miami has the talent to win this game for sure. And there's a reason that they're favored, right? And there's a reason that a lot of the numbers still like them and, and, and all this. And there's a reason Miami was able to come back and nearly win that game last weekend, right? After being so far down. And to me, the biggest X factor here is what can, can Miami's offense be stable and productive enough for four quarters if Nikosi Perry is the quarterback? Um, with Jerry Williams as the quarterback, it doesn't seem like quarterback decision-making and all that was really a major issue, right? Again, he didn't throw an interception for, what, four games to start the year? Yep. With Nikosi Perry, like, it is – it's like a – it's like you toss, like, a, a, a Zippo lighter into a box full of bottle rockets. Wow. Like, it's, it's going to be some spectacular and potentially very dangerous stuff. Like, you just don't know what exactly is going to come out, but – Sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's not. And yo, yo, Joey, Bubba Bax is not playing quarterback. I mean, come <laughs> in, like, what are we? What are we doing here? Yeah, I, what an analogy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm honestly just amazed by the analogy. Um, no, that was awesome. It uh, was. Uh, Continue. You, you see what I'm saying, though. I, you know, I, I don't know where I came up with that, but um, that's the thing. I, I don't know exactly what we would get for four quarters with Nikosi Perry, assuming he's the starter. And Cam, what you're saying about Jaron Williams being injured, I think that's re- reason enough for Manny Diaz not to feel bad about switching away from his freshman quarterback, you know, permanently. I think that's a good, good excuse or a good jumping off point. Not to mention it, it does sound like he's been less effective. So I'm going to stick with Virginia. Um, maybe that front seven for Virginia, giving Miami's offensive line some huge issues. Um, is probably a big factor there, but I think there's potential for this to go very sideways. And again, I think there's probably a reason that Miami is favored to, to, to begin with. Um, there, there's good reason for that. So I'll stick with Virginia. I feel like, I feel like the bear is going to be putting Miami on his board on Saturday morning. And I'm going to feel like an idiot. Well, I guess you can't do that if the game's on Friday, but if you could, <laughs> he could, he would. No, that'd be pretty cool. I'll feel like an extra <laughs> idiot, you know, but in any case. If you can still if you can still get action on that during college game day on Saturday morning, I'd be into it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still would probably lose that pick knowing how it's gone for me so far this year. <laughs> oh boy. In any case, uh, I'll go with Virginia. Um, total here is 45 points. I think if you're Virginia, you better hope this goes under. I think if you're Miami, you better hope it goes over. Correct. Miami wants this to turn into a track meet as much as possible. I think it goes Absolutely. under though. I, I think it goes under though, because I think if Miami wins, it'll be inside a touchdown. I still think there's opportunity there for, for it to go under. Um, not that I'm going to bet this. I'm, I'm definitely not, but it feels like, a yeah, I mean, I yeah. wouldn't either, but yeah, I think that, uh, I think Joey, exactly what you said is true. You know, Miami's going to want to take it over. Virginia's going to want to take it under. Uh, and if you look at last year, it was like one of those 17-12 Central Michigan against Miami kind of scores where, you know, Virginia like, yeah, they operation shut down. We're going to do, you know, conservative tempo on offense uh, to try to keep the ball away because, you know, Jeff Thomas can get loose at any time. Operation, uh, operation Chippewa, baby. <laughs> Shout out. Uh, oh, who am I thinking of? Jim McElwain? Yes, oh, indeed. yes. Oh, Shout out yes. Jim McElwain. Um, all right. I'm on Virginia. Cam's on Virginia. Mike on Miami, as we all expected. Uh, all right, let's move on to Saturday. we got four more games we got to talk on. Uh, three of these conference games. One of them, cover your eyes, we'll say. Uh, first one, a little bit of a cover, cover your eyes factor. 3.30 p.m. on ABC. The Florida State Seminoles, Cam, your, your Knowles, Headed to uh, headed to Death Valley. Don't put that on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> uh, 
The Florida State Seminoles a 27-point underdog in Death Valley against number two Clemson. Clemson not looked super sharp. Florida State might be putting it together a little bit. Seems like they're getting a little bit better, you know, better than they were to begin the year at least. Cam, you want those points? I do. Um, I think that, you know, Clemson, I know they, they're coming off of a bye week. I think both teams are coming off of bye weeks, but yep. um, there's still some just questions on their efficiency and performance. Um, I think that the top end of their performance obviously is still just stratospheric uh, high, you know, like the ceiling is the roof uh, to quote Michael Jordan, uh, you know, like they, when they have it all rolling, there's pretty much nobody in America who can roll with them. The thing about it is I don't necessarily see that it's going to roll all the time consistently like it did at the end of last season. And again, Florida state is a talented team um, and you, they are starting to put some things together. I fully expect Clemson to win this game. I expect it to be closer to a two touchdown uh, margin than a four touchdown margin. So in terms of the points only, I'm taking Florida State, but I fully expect Clemson to still emerge victorious. I think I'm on Florida State with the points too, but mostly mostly looking for like a backdoor cover situation. Um, I My concern here with Clemson is that North Carolina made Clemson taste their own blood. and I think that into a bye week, Clemson probably wakes up a little bit and, and comes out pretty inspired here. The only thing is that as much as they get really inspired against certain teams, Florida State's the kind of team that actually has the firepower to score against Clemson's backups. So I, I think that they make it a little bit closer than it really should be late. But uh, give me Clemson pretty big here. I don't know. This is probably like a three-score win for the Tigers, but I think they, they, they keep it within 27. So give me the Noles from the points. If Clemson plays like they did two weeks ago against North Carolina, they're going to lose to Florida State. Florida State is a better team right now than North Carolina, in my opinion. Um, I I know that's that could be a controversial take. I uh, look, you know, I I watched and saw what North Carolina did to Clemson. It was really impressive. Um, North Carolina is also a team that has lost to Wake Forest. They've lost to App State. I've talked about how good those two teams are. I, I get all of that. Florida State has got the talent to hang with Clemson more so than North Carolina does on the top end of their roster, right, offensively and defensively. If Clemson gets into a game similar to the one they got into in North Carolina, Florida State's athletes could get Clemson. Now, with all that being said, Clemson by two or three touchdowns. I, I'm going to take Florida State with the points here, but I think Clemson wins very, very comfortably here. I'm fully behind the idea that, you know, Clemson, you know, struggling before the bye week was probably the best thing that could have happened for Dabo Swinney because it gave him an opportunity going into the week off where, you know, they had a lot to work on. They nearly lose a game that they had no business even really being in a close game against a team like North Carolina, in all honesty. And, I think that helps here uh, going into the bye week and, and playing a Florida State team that's certainly talented. And they're aware that they're talented. And this is a, this is a game that I, I think Clemson comes out and plays well. But I do think Florida State will cover here. Worth mentioning that Clemson back at home in this game. And I would say there's the two road games they've played so far at Syracuse and at UNC have pretty clearly, like, by far been the least comfortable Clemson's looked all year. You know, keep in mind that Syracuse game was close for quite a while, and, and Clemson was struggling to really get a lot of traction and all that. And then to turn around and go to, uh, to, to Chapel Hill and almost lay an egg there, I mean, it, Clemson seems like a very different team at home versus on the road. 
put it that way. Um, and they're at home. I, th- I think this is a comfortable win, but, you know, we'll have to see. Uh, total is 60 and a half. Does that do anything for either of you guys? I kind of lean over. I lean over, but another one of those totals I'm definitely not touching. What Mike said. <laughs> Just leave it alone. All right. Uh, 7.30 on the ACC Network. Louisville, a six and a half point dog on the road. Taking on the Wake Forest Steam and Deacons in Winston-Salem. Wake Forest, number 19 in the country. Uh, They're riding high. Louisville coming off of a wild shootout win against Boston College. Uh, Wake coming off of a bye week. And again, they continue to be undefeated. I can't say that enough. Um, I don't know what to do with this game at all. I think I like Wake Forest. I mean, but this should be, I think, put it this way. I think this will be a really fun game to watch at the very least, Mike. Probably the best game of the weekend in the ACC. Um, like, at least out of the Saturday slate. Like, everybody's going to point to Florida State-Clemson. This will be a much better game than Florida State-Clemson, in my mm-hmm. opinion. Maybe I'm totally off base with that. I don't know. We'll see. But, um, you know, looking forward to Miami and Virginia, obviously, on Friday night. But this is probably second on my list out of games I'm looking forward to watching this weekend in the ACC. Um, I really don't know what's going to happen here. I really like the way Louisville's playing right now. Wake Forest coming off of a bye, obviously. Um, you know, having that extra week of rest probably helps. Uh, you know, Wake Forest has been playing some good football overall on both sides of the football. They have a really explosive offense, a fun offense to watch with Jamie Newman. Defense still leaves a lot to be desired. And, you know, I just watched Louisville rack up whatever it was, 41 points against uh, Boston College last weekend. So we know Louisville can score against a Wake Forest defense that really hasn't been all that good, which is a recipe for disaster potentially for Wake Forest if they don't get their offense um, moving in the right direction in this game, even at home. I'm going to take Wake Forest to win. I I think Louisville will cover six and a half. I do think it'll be close. It'll be very entertaining. Would not be surprised if Louisville gets Wake Forest here. I think if Louisville beats Wake Forest in this game, by the way, guys, they're going to make a bowl game with relative Mm -hmm. ease, given the rest of their schedule. This is one of these games that, they probably shouldn't win, but I think if they do, it's almost a slam dunk that they make a bowl game this year, which would be a heck of an accomplishment in year one for Scott Satterfield. But I'm going to take Wake, but I, I think Louisville will cover here and keep it within a touchdown. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of the better games uh, in the ACC this week. It's a sneaky good game nationally, too. You know, Wake Forest, they've been on TV a couple of times, or maybe I just used to have the ACC network on YouTube TV, so I watched a couple of their games. Uh, you know, figuring they were playing. Oh, no, yeah, like they played North Carolina after we lost to them, which we should not have uh, and everything. But, yeah, I mean, I really like what they're doing. Uh, they have, you know, those two gigantic power forwards at uh, wide receiver um, that are really playing well. Uh, the defense is a little unsettled, and they do need to settle down a little bit. But, uh, you know, I think that uh, Clawson has them going in the right way uh, over there at Wake Forest. I don't necessarily think that they're going to blow out uh, Louisville or anything like that. I think that uh, Louisville does have some explosive playmakers. Shout out to Tutu Atwell from uh, the West, Miami Northwestern Senior High School, uh, number one uh, in your uh, on your program and in your hearts as well uh, from 305. Exactly. Ed, turn it up. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, you got uh, uh, some real – Real ability to um, score via the the pass and the run with Louisville. Um, But I think that Wake Forest, even with what Louisville presents, is the better team. So I will echo Mike's sentiments in picking Wake Forest to win, but Louisville to cover, uh, because I think that this could be a back-and-forth game and maybe the last team with the ball wins. 
I'm really torn here because, it, Mike, as you well know, this is both a Wake Forest podcast and a Tutu Atwell podcast. So oh, I, yeah. I, I'm really torn in both directions here. I, I'm a big Tutu Atwell guy for what that's worth. Nice. Uh, I I think my concern here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Wake. Um, I think Wake is able to win this game by 7 to 10 points. Um, playing at home, you know, at night. The biggest thing is that watching the way that Louisville's defense struggled so mightily with Boston College's offense last week, I feel like Wake Forest and the White Claw fence has got to be as effective, if not more so, than what Boston College is throwing out there right now. Um, I, I think that, you know, both from a coaching standpoint and from an execution standpoint, I really like what, what they're going to be able to do with Jamie Newman, with Kate Carney, Scotty Washington, all the boys, right? Uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a good showing for them. So I think Louisville will keep up in this game. I think it'll be competitive. I, I agree with you guys that this will be a fun one to watch. I, I would argue that the game of the week to watch is going to be Virginia-Miami, but I, I think this is a close second. I think these are the two clear, most competitive, intriguing games for sure um, where you're really going to learn quite a bit, I think, about both of these teams in this game. Um, Wake has the opportunity to really cement themselves as a – a bona fide, really good team where some of the stats may may not agree right now. SP Plus, for what it's worth, has them at 51st in the country, which seems a little bit like an underrating kind of situation. But, you know, that, that's for Bill to decide, not me. Um, so give me Wake. I'll take the, the Deeks. Um, but I do think this should be a competitive, fun game, at least for quite a while. So we'll stick with that. Uh, total 65. A couple pretty questionable defenses here. I think I really like the over. I love the over. This is one of the the ones I, I would consider betting. Um, I really, really like the over in this game. Two bad defenses. Yeah. Make that three for three because I would hammer that over as well. Absolutely. Might want to get it now because it might just go up in the time between now and the game starts. So yep. keep that in mind. Um, it's only, And it's only gone up a half a point since it opened. So, yeah, if you're going to get on it, get on it now. 65, kind of a lot of points. So you see why people might be hesitant. But, yeah, I mean, this is – this is shootout-looking territory, so keep that keep that in mind. Um, last conference game I got here, oh dear, 12.30 on the ACC Network Extra. My Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, a 17.5-point underdog in Durham, taking on the Duke Blue Devils. Um, I, You know, it's funny when I, I look at kind of how power ratings rank up and, and um, how many points better is one team than another, and does that really make sense with the, with the line, and we always talk about there's there's three points one way or the other for home field advantage, right? And then you think about it, it's like, does Duke really have a home field advantage? But what I've always kind of nope. thought is that I think Duke has like this anti-home field advantage. It's a home field advantage, but it's completely the opposite of like anywhere else where most places it's loud and it's raucous and it, it you know gets the, gets on the nerves of the, the opposing offense, that kind of thing. Duke is like playing in like a cemetery where it's so quiet, it just like sucks the the energy out of the building and, and nobody's really interested in playing a full 60 minutes. But if you're Duke, you're used to that. So you use it as a weapon, I guess. So all to say, um, I'm taking Duke. I, I, I think Duke's defense is going to make a total mess of Georgia Tech's continued disaster of an offense. Um, I don't know that Georgia Tech's going to score much in this game. David Cutcliffe has always had an affinity for, um, making Georgia Tech miserable. Uh, you could say that was maybe a rivalry with Paul Johnson a little bit, and a little bit of jealousy and this kind of thing, but I think ultimately he's pissed that he wasn't hired once upon a time, and Paul Johnson being gone doesn't change that. So 
I think Cutcliffe, especially if he gets the chance to use Johnson's old offense against Georgia Tech, is going to do it. Um, so, yeah, I think Duke big here, runs it up. Total's 48 and a half. Duke might get most of the way there themselves, so I'll probably leave that alone. I'd probably go under there for what it's worth. I think this is like 27 to 6 or something like that. Duke wins. Ugh. like. And that, I mean, you could see that happening, right? Like a grinded out, like never really all that competitive, but you're forced to watch it because you're a Georgia Tech fan. Three hours and of my life, I'll never get back. Exactly. I mean, all that time you could have spent with your kid. Instead, you watch Georgia Tech play instead. <laughs> they might call child um, services on me if I make him watch that. <laughs> yeah, don't subject him to that. Um yeah. Anyway, if if it get if it goes that direction, like you can certainly see the the cover and an ugly ugly game that that stays under the total. I'm gonna lean that way. I just watched Quentin Harris turn the ball over five times in a game against Pittsburgh. That uh, look, Georgia Tech's defense is not as good as Pittsburgh's, but I could see Quentin Harris committing a couple stupid turnovers. That seems to be what he does, except against Virginia Tech. Just disclaimer. Um, yeah. So. Give me Duke to win and cover here and have it go under the total. I, this is not going to be fun to watch at all. No, I don't think it is. Um, it could be that kind of crockpotting. Shout out to the solid verbal uh, that you're talking about. Um, I don't think that. I think that uh, Quentin Harris and everything uh, got some of the turnovers out of him last week. Um, <clears throat> or last time out, I should say. Um, and yeah, I could definitely see uh, Duke. Um, extending it out, you know, into the mid thirties, uh, pushing forty uh, for points there. Uh, and Georgia Tech, unfortunately for Joey, is just not good. Um, just not. Um, and so, preview to the remix, I expect a competitive game when they come to Miami next week. But anyway, uh, <laughs> for for the time being, yeah, you know, I just think that uh, I forget which Miami coach it was. I think it was Al Golden in his first year talked about. Um, or Randy Shannon, one of the two, talked about the long walk from the locker room to the field at Duke. And that's mm -hmm. like part of that uh, energy drain that Joey was talking about uh, there as you walk through the the hollowed grounds there in Durham, North Carolina. More. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that, that Duke is going to win comfortably. Uh, they'll probably cover. I think it's still going to be under the total. Um, but much closer to the ceiling of uh, the line as, uh, of the over-under as opposed to Mike talking about this low-level crockpotting that just sucks the life out of everybody associated with the game or who might even glance at the television in that direction. Hey, over-under one-and-a-half touchdowns for Georgia Tech offensively in this game. Under. Mm, yeah, I think under. Georgia Tech... With 22 points against North Carolina, they raised their season scoring average against FBS teams to 13 points a game. Um, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's bad. Yeah. You guys heard me say 27 to 6 or whatever the hell I said. That's mm -hmm. That would be under one and a half touchdowns. But Yeah, I'd probably go under. They, I mean, they, they continue to find ways to screw it up in the red zone. And at some point, they're not going to kick field goals. And even if they did, like, I don't know how that would go. I don't know. I, you know, God bless this defense that keeps trying. And for reasons I, I'll never understand because they're, they're too good for what this offense has given them in return, unfortunately. But that's, that's well, it. Well, 
Sorry. Womp womp. Yeah, on that note, uh, let's move on. Last one. Uh, last conference game of the weekend, we'll say. Uh, four o'clock on the ACC Network. Uh, a game that I have not yet found a spread or a total or anything for, but Mike, you're Virginia Tech Hokies hosting Rhode Island in a game that, in, in a way, ultimately, it just doesn't matter. I found a line that had Virginia Tech as a 27.5 point favorite, which, I mean, Rhode Island is. <laughs> <laughs> Rhode Island is, bro. Seems like bro. a lot of points for the Hokies. I don't know. Bro, Rhode Island is so, so bad. And if Virginia Tech does not cover 27 and a half against Rhode Island, like it, they were a 28 point favorite against Old Dominion. I believe it was the same line against Furman. They didn't cover against either one of those schools. Rhode Island is obviously much, much worse. Like Rhode Island is the 10th best team right now in the CAA on the FCS level. Like that's the colonial, I believe. That's the colonial. That is correct. They are 10th in the colonial entering play as they head to Blacksburg and Virginia Tech's second FCS game of the year, which is a topic I don't want to get into again on here, but <laughs> Rhode Island, this game this weekend is the reason assuming Virginia Tech wins and doesn't screw this up, which all bets are off. This is the reason why Virginia Tech needs seven wins this year for bowl eligibility. So um, give me, give me tech to win and cover. This could if be that a ends up being the line, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Every uh, Joey, I'm, I'm a Hokies fan. I've watched this thing now for a month and a half. Every game's a letdown game, bro. Actually a little bit of a, a letdown look ahead sandwich here. You got North Carolina coming to town next week. That's, that's looking like a big game. I don't know. Might be a little, uh, a little saucy. We'll see. Um, <clears throat> Cam, you, uh, you want those points with Rhode Island? No, and I don't want to talk about it because <laughs> it is upon the mangled corpse of the Miami Hurricane season that Virginia Tech is getting things going back in the right direction. Virginia Tech is going to win. They're going to win by a lot, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> is everything okay over there? No, it's not at all. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say, Mike. I know that it's comical for you. Uh, and everything. It's uh, not, dude. dude I know, but like, yeah, you guys were like adding me during the game. There was that personal foul for targeting that gets called on every other team in America, except for when you target against Miami, because we can't do that. So they're like, oh, let's see what the Miami fans say about that. You know, God darn well that I'm right about. See, you're trying to get me. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Hey, Cam. 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 It's all, it's all good, dude. Virginia Tech sucks, man. They're not very good. <laughs> all good for what it's worth bringing cam on this podcast is kind of like especially bringing cam on this podcast after a miami loss is kind of like tossing a zippo lighter into a box of bottle rockets it just it is (laughs) and there's the continuity joke (laughs) you knew i was going somewhere with that um yeah i guess i guess virginia tech they better win this game by four touchdowns um yeah appease that home crowd that Gets to see their second FCS game of the year. Last one, boys. <laughs> yeah, the home crowd even shows up. <laughs> we'll see. Last one, noon on – I don't think this is on TV. The Bowling Green State Falcons, a 26-point home fav- home underdog. They are not a 26-point <laughs> favorite against anybody. A 26-point home underdog to the Toledo Rockets. Uh, was that Jason Campbell's boys? Yep. Or Candle, not Campbell. Jason Campbell was yeah, the quarterback Campbell. of Auburn. 
Uh, and he, like his name uh, sake, is going to light Bowling Green on fire. Uh, <laughs> Toledo was one of the better teams in the MAC. Bowling Green, uh, for just to keep this nice and short, is are not um, Toledo to win and cover comfortably. So I watched I, I watched some of that Bowling Green game last weekend, and and what what I say by some of that game is I watched the first like four minutes. Notre Dame was up fourteen nothing, and I was like, okay, they're gonna cover, <laughs> and I basically just turned the game off. Uh, they did cover. It was a little bit closer than I probably wanted to as somebody who bet on it. Uh, yeah, Toledo wins and covers here. Yo, Bowling Green is so bad. So bad. So bad. Yeah. Um, any guesses where they fall on the uh, updated SP Plus rankings? Anybody? Say again? Any guesses on where they fall on the updated SP Plus rankings? Bow- Bowling Green? Yeah. Oof. Ooh. Ooh, uh, 117. 121. Too high, both of you. They're dead last. 130. There it is. Dead last in the country. 128 on offense, 122 on defense. So there is just nothing, nothing redeeming here about uh, Scott Leffler and Brian Van Gorder and all their boys. So Toledo uh, might be the lock of the week. <laughs> they might be. Even given 26 on the road, yeah, you consider that. Um, yeah, Toledo. As tempting as it is to continue taking absurd numbers of points for Bowling Green and still watch them not cover uh, Toledo, the Rockets, they're gonna they're gonna knock that one out pretty easily. Oh yeah, agreed. All right, Mike, you got a pick of the week somewhere in here? Oh, I do, and uh, I've gone back and forth on this since we started this preview. Um, ah, should I even ride with this? This one makes <laughs> me very, very, very nervous. Nah, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take Duke to cover 17 and a half. I was thinking about taking Florida State as my pick of the week to cover four Ooh. touchdowns, mm. but I don't want to bet against Dabo coming off a of bye, so I'm going to go with Duke. Ooh. Yeah, that betting against Clemson in any way, shape, or form seems uh, risky. Try not to do that. Yeah, don't do that. Um, I do like the Duke pick, though. That's That's probably the right Wait, way to go here. Uh, if I got to take one, let's go Wake Forest, Louisville over 65. I'm going to continue playing my totals. It seems like it generally works in my favor. We'll go the Deeks and the Cardinals to uh, play a bit of a shootout here this weekend. Uh, Cam, any of these really stick out to you that you really like? Um, In for a dime, in for a dollar. Um. <laughs> I'm going to go eh, – let's flip it up a little bit. Let's go uh, Virginia and Miami under 48 and a half. Under 48 and a half. I like that one. I like that one too. Yeah. I saw it at 45. Did it open at 48? Oh, wait. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe I quoted it wrong. Uh, let me look real quick. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. It opened at 42. It's gone up. Yeah, I see it at 45. That's okay. That's yeah. what I had it at. Yeah. Okay. So Miami. Well, either way, uh, under forty-five. I still uh, like the under. I was gonna say I still like the under there. I think. Yeah. yeah I think this is gonna be just a. It's gonna be a rock fight. I think that, uh, you know, instead of spreading it out and speeding it up, Miami's gonna go back to uh, what Enos wants to do, which is kind of grind it a little bit. Uh, and clearly Virginia wants to do that because you know the dearth of you know, athletic talent. But yeah, uh, Miami and, and Virginia under forty-five. Well, there you have it. All right, uh, that's week seven. 
You ready to go watch some games? Oh, yes, I am. Hey, Cam. Hey, Mike. Hey, buddy. Good Good hey. luck Friday night, man. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, in the place, uh, live uh, live and in person. Oh, Actually, nice. You're going to be there. Yeah. yeah. So, cool. A friend had an extra ticket, so I'm going to go do that uh, whole thing. So uh, I know, obviously, you know, being a Virginia Tech alum, uh, you're wishing ill of Virginia, and I do also, but um, – I need to see something before I believe it. So I, I accept those well wishes and hope against hope that my Miami Hurricanes prove me wrong. I'm pulling for Miami here. I am. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll duh. see what happens. <laughs> I mean, the enemy of your enemy is your friend, and like that's correct. You, look, you already beat us, so like, I, why not? Why not? Hell exactly. yeah! And I hate Virginia, so it's great. <laughs> well, Cam, best of luck to you and to your Hurricanes. Um, if you want to, uh, if you want to pimp your Venmo on here, so people can send you money for like emotional support beers or whatever that they sell there at, at Hard Rock Stadium, you're, you're welcome to do so. But... Emo- emotional support beers. <laughs> I mean, unlike many teams, we play in a professional stadium. So while people are just now getting liquor at games, we've always had that in Miami, either the Orange Bowl <laughs> or Hard Rock. Uh, you can hit me on Cash App at Money Sign Cam Underwood. That's my name. Uh, you know, so I take that Venmo. I think I'm Cam Underwood Dash One. Uh, if you want to do that, Zell, um, no, I'm not going to give you my phone number to do that. But I mean, sure, if you want, you know, send me a, emotional support beers or money f- uh, for them. I will take them. Uh, and, you know, yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll check back in sometime. We might see how this game is going and what the score is. And then you might be getting one of those uh, <laughs> one of those requests from me. You know, I'll be sending you a little bit of money here in the second quarter. Maybe I won't uh, turn it down <laughs> that or- that you won't. Or hell, if you if you wake up and you're listening to this Saturday morning and it turns out it didn't go well on Friday night, you can still send it to him. I'm sure he'll need him on Saturday too. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be watching other games, but you know, the, I got stores around me and they have beer. So, like I said, uh, money sign Cam Underwood on Cash App. Holla at me. <laughs> Come get your boy. All right, Cam. Thank you so much for coming on. It is an absolute treat as always. Um, thank you so much for your insights on Miami and. and uh, Wish you again the best of luck this week. And you want to tell the people, of course, where they can find your stuff if they uh, don't know already? Yeah, man. Always, always a good time to catch up with you guys. Appreciate you having me. Uh, I am the managing editor of stateoftheu.com, uh, SB Nation's Miami Hurricane site. So you can find us there. Again, that's sbnation.com on all social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Our accounts are at the state of the U. And my personal account on Twitter is at Underwood Sports. Um, I do live tweet some uh, random reality TV. So there will be some below deck tweets. There will be Paradise Island uh, or Temptation Island, excuse me, things like that mixed in with the sports as well. Uh, but please come, uh, you know, just fan with us over on State of the U. And then, hey, let's get a little irreverent on Twitter as well. Absolutely. Well, there you have it. Came uh, Underwood, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you joining us here. We are going to get out of here, Mike, and go watch some of these games. Uh, in the meantime, they can find us on Twitter. I am at Dress Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB, and together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And once again, you can go find Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports and at the State of the U, the State of the U on Twitter, right? Correct. Okay, good. I, I can. I was. Anyways, uh, <laughs> you guys can find us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, the Overcast app, uh, and most importantly, on the Anchor app. Go find us and subscribe. Uh, this is a free show we uh, we produce several times a week, so you know come find us. Uh, Mike, they can find us on Gmail with their questions, their comments, and concerns. They can send them all to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Ish. Kind of. 
Yeah, it's gone better in the past, but you know, we'll 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 play with this for now. Uh, Mike, you want to tell me where they can find us on the social medias? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there, Joey and Cam. Please do, please do. Uh, Mike, anything else before we get out of here? I think we're good, man. Let's go watch these games. Let's watch these games. Uh, Cam, enjoy. Best of luck on Friday. We'll uh, we'll have you back on to talk sometime soon. All right, sounds good. Uh, good luck to you guys as well, and we'll check in later. Much appreciated. All right, Mike, uh, we got to get out of here. And until next time, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Cam Underwood, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC.